All right, good morning, everybody. All right, we're going to continue on in, in this study of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, we're, going to move, we're going to move into Numbers today, but um, I wanted to finish up Leviticus. I didn't get to finish Leviticus last time. Some, one thing, more thing I wanted to, to look at, which, which was Leviticus chapter 16. You'll turn there in your Bible. On the Day of Atonement, we saw that the high priest had to wear a, a, a holy linen coat, and that pictures the coat that the soldiers uh, cast lots for. When when, Christ, when Jesus was crucified, we saw how the high priest, we, how he did all the work, just as Jesus did, okay, on the Day of Atonement. And Leviticus 16, uh, there in verse 30, it says, For on that day uh, shall the priest make an atonement for you. Again, the priest did it. To cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So, you know, the priest did that. And, of course, Jesus is our high priest. He did, he did everything. Um, and that's what he did for us as a once-for-all sacrifice. Um, but another thing the priests would do was to, to take two goats, okay? Um, back up, if you're there in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 7, it says, And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the, for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So the, that first goat was a picture of how atonement was granted. Sin can only be forgiven because punishment was placed on innocent blood. Okay, you know Hebrews says, without blood is no remission of sin. Um, so that, that's what the blood of Christ did for us. That's, that's the, the, the effect that it had on us. Um, notice here also in verse 9, it said, um, And Aaron shall bring the, the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Um, that goat, that first goat, it was chosen. Okay, it was, it was basically when they cast lots, they were leaving it up to the Lord. Okay, so he, that goat was chosen by the Lord. Okay, well, guess what? Jesus was chosen, right? Um, hold your place and go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. In verse 35, it says, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Okay, so there's another little picture there on the Day of Atonement, when, when it's talking about the goat, um, that he was chosen. God chose the scapegoat. He chose Jesus Christ to, to die for our sins. Okay, um, But the second goat, the second goat showed the, the, the effect of atonement. Okay, um, the first goat showed how atonement was granted. The second one showed the effect of atonement. Um, Leviticus 16 there, look at verse uh, 20. It says, And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place uh, and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all the, their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall, let, he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Okay, so this particular goat, it says in verse 21, it said he took, he took all the iniquities and all their transgressions and all their sins, everything, everything. He, he, making sure you realize it, it's everything. He took all, all the sin, um, and he put them on this goat, um, 
Hebrews 10, verse 10, it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Okay? All, all the sin of every person was transferred to Christ. Okay? And it's pictured by the, the high priest putting those sins on the, on the scapegoat. Okay? That's the picture here. Um, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his, his body on the tree. Okay? It was all transferred to him um, just as it was pictured with, with this goat. So that's... that's where we get the term scapegoat, you know. Even unbelievers will use that term scapegoat. They don't even know where they're getting it from, but it comes from, from this, from Leviticus chapter 16 um, on the Day of Atonement. So <clears throat> this, this scapegoat represented getting rid of their sins and, and, and getting, the, getting those sins as far away from them as possible, right? Um, that's where verse 21, it says, um, at, the very, at the end of verse 21, it says, um, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man, into the wilderness, okay? Um, not only does, does the priest represent Christ who did all the work, um, and not only does, does the scapegoat represent Christ who, who, who took on all your sins, but you want somebody who can get, all, get your sins as far away as possible. Um, that's where the fit man comes in. You know, when you, you think of the fit man, um, the, the fit man is also Christ because when you think of a fit man, you think of somebody who is physically fit, right? Um, somebody who, who, who can go the distance, right? And, and get, get that goat with all those sins as far away from you as possible, okay? Think of somebody who has endurance, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, hold your place. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, uh, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Kind of like a race, right? He, he ran the race. He was fit. Um, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured, notice that word, such contradiction of the sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay, so, you know, you, you, when you want somebody to, who, to take your sins, you know, I want an endurance runner, right? That word he just used in Hebrews two times. I want somebody who's like an endurance runner, one of these guys that runs 100 miles, and just, just get those sins as far away from me as possible. That's what you want. Um, so they, they can't, he can't possibly find his way back, okay? Um, well, uh, go to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Okay? So the second scapegoat, on the second goat, the scapegoat pictures that. The, the effect of Christ's atonement is that our sins were removed far from us. Okay? Completely. Completely. Uh, go to the book of Micah. Go to your right to Micah. Chapter 7. <clears throat> Go past the book of Daniel. Micah, chapter 7. Verse 19. Of course, this is speaking specifically of Israel, but the, the same concept applies. It says, he will, he will turn again, He will have compassion upon us, 
He will subdue our iniquities, and thou, thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. In other words, so far away that, that they can't come back. Okay, That's the idea with the scapegoat. You want that goat out of there. Put your sins on him and get rid of him. Okay, So if you understand this picture, you, you, you see how foolish it is when people say, well, you, you have to turn from all your sins before you can be saved. You have to repent of your sin. What sin? That's the question. What sin? Uh, because as the scapegoat, Christ, he, he carried off all your sin on, on Calvary. That's what he did. Uh, and all your sin was future then. Remember that. All your sin was future. Um, the ones you committed last year, yesterday, and even you know your tomorrow, the future sin. Um, and, and, and they won't come back. Okay, They won't come back to you just like this goat. So there's a lot to learn from Leviticus um, and these pictures and types. Um, people say, well, you have to endure to the end to be saved. Well, you know, you have to prove your salvation with your efforts and your work. No, this sacrifice proves that, that with the first goat, okay, Christ shed his blood for all your sins. They killed that goat, right? And with the second goat, he took your sins far away, okay? He, he separated you from your sins. Um, and that's, that's pictured here, and it's revealed in the New Testament. Um, go to go, flip over to a Colossians, book of Colossians in the New Testament real quick. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2 and verse 11. Um, it says, uh, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh uh, by the circumcision of Christ. Um, so, um, you, you know, your sins are removed from you as a believer. Um, God cuts away, He takes away your sinful flesh. Um, he separates it from your, from your spirit. Um, it's separated uh, from, from the new man. And even though you still have the old man, you know, you'll, you'll never be judged by your flesh. Um, because when you die, you, you're going to leave your flesh behind. Okay? You're separated from it, just like that scapegoat was separated from Israel. Um, and, and it went out into the wilderness. So Christ did all the enduring for you. Okay? There's, no, there's no enduring that you have to do. Um, and you can, you can, you can rest. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews 4 and verse 9 says that. It says, There remaineth... Uh, therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as, do, as God did from his. Okay, so in the, in the Day of Atonement pictures that. Um, what, what, uh, what part did the, did the people play in that? Nothing. They, they, they played no part in that. It was all about the high priest, that pictures Christ, he's our high priest. Um, the two goats, which pictured Christ, okay, first one and the second one, and the fit man that who also pictures Christ because he was fit enough to, to get that goat out of here. You know, I think tradition says that they would take the goat like 10 miles out. We don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us how far they took him. But, you know, he would get that goat out. They didn't want that goat coming back. Of course, it was just a picture. But, you know, they, as, as a picture, they wanted that, that goat to get as far away from there as possible. They didn't want him coming back that, that evening, you know, and showing back up. Um, there's another tradition that says they would... They would eventually take him and hurl him off of a mountain, but I, I don't, you know, I don't think that the Bible doesn't say that. And I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But, um, but the only mention of the people, um, go back to Leviticus chapter sixteen. In verse thirty, it says, "For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean uh, from all your sins before the Lord." 
and it, it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and you shall afflict your souls uh, by a statute forever. So see, he did it all. And afflict your souls there, all that means is that's a, that's a fast, okay? If you want a proof text for that, I'm not going to turn there, I don't have time, but Isaiah 58 and verse 3, okay, shows that that's just a fast, you know, when you, when you didn't eat. Um, they, would, they would fast and they would rest, right? And fasting is just a time of reflection, and it's, it's, you're reflecting on the fact that God did everything, and you, and you, you rest in that, okay? That's, that's all it means to afflict your souls. It's not meaning you go out and work and, and, and try to earn your salvation. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's just the opposite. So that's all we do for salvation. It's a, it's a perfect picture of salvation on the Day of Atonement, okay? And it, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 4, go to John chapter 4 with me real quick. John chapter 4 and verse 34. It says, For whom, for he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the, the, the measure, the spirit by measure unto him. Um, hang on just a second. That's not the verse I was looking for. What's that? Is it 3.34? Oh, yeah, I probably wrote it down wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was reading the wrong one. Sorry. 4.34. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus said, saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Okay, that's, that's what I was looking for. To finish his work. Jesus did that. Okay? Jesus finished the work. Not us. That's my point. Um, and there's also some other details here that, that perfectly picture Christ's atonement for us, leaving no doubt that this sacrifice, it foreshadowed Jesus and it spoke of Jesus in, in, in the book of Leviticus. Um, the ark itself pictured Christ, okay? Um, it says, going back to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 14, um, it says, And he shall take the blood of, of the bullock and sprinkle it with his, with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Okay, um, So not only was there a mercy seat on the ark, in the middle of the ark, but if you back up to Exodus, back up to Exodus real quick to Exodus 25. Exodus 25 and verse 18. It says, uh, and thou shalt, shalt take, make two cherubims of gold of beaten work. Thou shalt make them in, in, in the two ends of the mercy seat and make one cherub on the one end and, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims of, on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. So what does that have to do with Jesus and his sacrifice? Well, um, think about it. You have the, the, the holy pri the, the, the priest there, the high priest there. He's sprinkling blood on the mercy seat. So the blood is right there in the middle of the, of the, of the ark with an angel on each end. Get that picture. Mercy seat in the middle, there's blood, an angel on each end, or a cherubim. Okay? You say, well, so what? Well, go to, go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is a little, one of those little bitty details that, you know, after Christ died, 
and was buried, and, and a lot of people will miss this little detail, and it's there for a reason. Points back to, to, to the Day of Atonement, with what, what the priest did. Um, John chapter 20, um, this talks about when the, when the disciples ran to his tomb, and it says in verse, uh, let's see, verse 11, it says, But Mary stood without, uh, without at the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher, and see of two angels in white sitting. Here it is. The one at the head and the other at his feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Okay. So the, the, the way that Jesus had lain in that tomb with him in the middle, right, just like the mercy seat, the, the, the high priest was, was, you know, at the ark, um, and you had one angel on each end, okay, um, just like on the ark. Okay. So, so there's no doubt that the ark there, on that Day of Atonement, it was pointing to Christ. Okay, they're, they're, these, those instructions that were given to build the ark were given all those years before Christ came. Okay, over a thousand years, 1,400 years or something like that. And it, point, it pictured exactly how Christ would, would be situated in the tomb. Okay, with one angel on one end and one angel on the other end. Okay, and another, another little detail, and again, there's no little details in the Bible. They all, they all mean something. Um, if you're still there in John, back up to verse, uh, let's see, verse 5, John 20, and verse 5, <clears throat> it says, uh, And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth, seeth the, the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So, it, it, it repeats this little detail about the linen clothes that were lying there, okay, in the tomb. Um, so do you think that points to something? Well, it does. It does. Um, we read in Leviticus chapter 16 um, about the, the priest wearing that holy, remember he wore the holy linen coat. It was a special garment that he wore on the Day of Atonement. Okay, in verse 4. Well, when the, when the sacrifice was over, what did, the, what did the priest do with those linen clothes? Okay. If you're there in Leviticus 16, look at verse 23. It says, And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments. Right? Put them off, which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. Right? So it's, 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 is that not what Jesus did after he died? Okay? And, and, he, and he rose on the third day when he was buried? Um, he, he, he left those linen clothes that he was, you know, that he was buried in laying right there in the tomb. Okay? I mean, how much more detail do you need to, to show that this is talking about Jesus on, on Leviticus chapter 16? Every little detail is pointing to Jesus. Um, again, Acts 10, 43, it says, To him give all the prophets witness that, that, that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. That's what the Day of Atonement witnesses. Okay? It, it's a witness about Christ. That's what it's about. It's all about Jesus Christ. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the next one is Numbers. Okay, you think we can see a picture of Jesus in Numbers? You, you bet you, you we will. Um, numbers basically picks up where where um, Exodus left off with uh, Israel in the wilderness. So uh, we'll begin. Skip over to uh, Numbers chapter eight. Numbers chapter eight.
I mean, this is just a little one. There's, the next one is one I really wanted to get to, but this is just a small one here, a picture of Jesus in, in Numbers. Numbers chapter 8, and verse 1, it says, And the Lord uh, spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to Aaron, and say unto him, when thou, when thou lightest the lamps, the seven lamps uh, shall give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so. He lighted the lamps thereof against the candlestick as the Lord commanded Moses. So what you'll see that, that even the lighting in the tabernacle points to Jesus, uh, which makes sense because he's the light of the world, right? Um, but then if you go to, to Revelation, go to the book of Revelation chapter 4, very end of New Testament, Revelation chapter 4, and verse 5. <clears throat> i got to hurry up. i got a long way to go. Um, Re Revelation 4 and verse 5, it says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So those seven lamps are the seven spirits of God. Well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, if you back up to Revelation 3, in verse 1, where he's speaking to the church of Sardis, it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Who is this speaking? This is Jesus, right? These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. So Jesus, speaking of himself here, said that he has the seven spirits of God. And that's what those seven lamps in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 8, picture in the book of, Num in the book of Numbers. Okay, that's a small, it's just a small picture, but that's, that's, that's a picture of Jesus. Those seven lamps are, are a picture of the seven spirits of God. Jesus said, I have those seven spirits, right? Okay, so that, that's, and then there's a really obvious one. If you go to, uh, go back to Numbers chapter 20, this is a really good one. Numbers chapter 20, about the water, um, the water that came out of the rock. <clears throat> and, the, of course, the children of Israel complained, as they always did, uh, anytime they were lacking anything, food or water. Um, and it says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take, take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Okay. Um, so again, he's told to speak to the rock. That's a good, a very important detail. Speak to the rock. Um, verse 9, and, and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as, as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. So, and, he, and, he, and because he did this, okay, um, you, you read on in verse 12, it said, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Okay? Um, so because he did that, the Lord prevents him and Aaron from going into the, to the promised land. Why did, why did God make such a big deal out of this? Okay. Um, well, go back to uh, Exodus chapter 17. Go back to Exodus chapter 17. <clears throat> because this is not the first time they've been here. Okay. Um, back in Exodus 17, they, they came here and they complained again um, the first time that Moses had brought them here to die. You know, you brought us here to die. 
And, uh, you know, we had it so good, you know, back in Egypt. But it said in Exodus 17, verse 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock at Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elder, elders of Israel. So he was, told to, he was told here to smite the rock the first time, right? Just once, just once. And that's exactly what he did. He did, he did what the Lord told him to do. Well, how do we know that's a picture of Christ? Well, this could have been one of the things that Jesus revealed to those disciples um, on the road to Emmaus. Um, it said um, in Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 24, it said, uh, it said, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them uh, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So this might be, this is very well could have been one of the things he pointed to, and they would have known the scriptures. They would have known the Old Testament scriptures. Um, well, this could have been one of the scriptures. How do we know that? Well, because Paul tells us, um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> There's a lot of a lot of these pictures you, you read about in the you know in the Old Testament. You know, there's a lot of them. You'll you'll find them as you go along. Um, and some people say, well, that that's you know that's just a coincidence. That's not really talking about Jesus. Well, maybe that may or may not be true, but we know for sure this one is okay because there's some that, that they that we're told in the, in the New Testament it does. Um, because Paul tells us in First Corinthians chapter ten where he, he he uses Israel as an example of what happens when you don't believe God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, it says, More than brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Okay? Um, so this one we know for sure because Paul tells us that that's exactly what it was. That, that rock was Christ. Um, it literally pictured Christ, okay? Um, that's why this is such a big deal. Um, and this is, this is why types are so important, because they're, they're important to God, okay? Um, so much so that when Moses struck that rock twice, okay, instead of speaking to it, okay, um, it kept him out of the promised land. It didn't keep him out of heaven, okay? That was a temporal judgment, okay? He just said, you're not, you're not going in, okay? Um, so these types point to a greater truth. Um, the first time they came to the rock in Exodus, the rock represented Christ crucified, okay, because he was told to smite the rock once, okay. Um, go to uh, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, that word smitten, smite, Isaiah 53 and verse uh, 4. He says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Okay, that's the first rock. He was, he was smitten, he was struck. Um, how many times? Once, okay. Uh, go, uh, go to the Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 25. It says, uh, Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others, for then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered 
uh, to bear the sins of many. Okay, once smitten, that's 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 the type in Exodus. One one once smitten. So once he smote the rock, he fulfilled that type. He fulfilled that that shadow of Christ in in the Old Testament. Okay, the crucified Christ. Um, he struck the rock and water flowed out. The rock was Christ, like Paul said, and the water that flowed out, that was eternal life. Okay, that's what it pictured. Um, remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? Um, go to John, back up to John chapter 4 real quick. Because all this points back, back to that rock. John 4 and verse 14. Anytime you, you read about water in, in the New Testament, it's, it's pointing back to that rock and the water that flowed out of that rock. John 4 and verse 14, it says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. He was struck. He was smitten once. Okay, How many times do you have to drink the water? One time. One time. If you think you can lose your salvation, it means you have to keep coming back and drinking over and over and over again. Okay, And you ruin the type. That's what Moses did. He ruined the type. Um, if, you, if you drink, he said, Jesus said, you shall never thirst. Never. Never thirst. One drink, just believe, and you're saved. Right? Um, John, you're still in John. Go to John chapter, uh, John 7, verse 37. In the last day, that, the, the, uh, wait, am I not, yeah, yeah, uh, in the, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Um, what does it mean to drink? Next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Okay. To drink is just to simply believe. It's that simple. Don't let anybody complicate it. It's just to believe. Um, that's what Exodus 17 represented. That first time they came to the rock, Christ crucified once. Okay. But then, when you get to the account of Numbers, he was told to just speak to the rock. Why? Uh, because in that picture, Christ had already been smitten. Okay, he'd already been smitten in Exodus chapter 17, already crucified. Okay, you can't crucify him twice. Um, you, you ruin the picture. Um, and you, you disrespect his sacrifice. Um, and that's basically, you know, if you understand this, you'll also understand the book of Hebrews. You know, we keep going back and forth to Hebrews because that's what it's all about. Um, the Hebrews were in, da in danger of going back to those sacrifices. They were believers. They, he calls them brethren over and over and over again. They were already believers, but they were going. They were going to go back to those sacrifices because they were probably being pressured, you know, and being you know cr uh, persecuted because they were Jews and they weren't they weren't making those sacrifices anymore. Um, but this this will actually help you understand the book of Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter six. It'll help you understand this verse too. And this is the one that people will use to say that you can lose your salvation. Hebrews chapter six. This is why you don't unhitch yourself in the Old Testament. Don't, don't do it. You, you, you need it to understand. Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those who have, were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they have crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Okay? He was saying to these Hebrews, if you go back to the law and to the sacrifices, it's like crucifying Christ again. Okay? It's just like, it's like what Moses did. It's the same thing that Moses did when he struck that rock twice. Okay? And, and, and in, the, in the same way that God punished Moses, you know, 
by not letting him into the promised land, um, again, which was a temporal, temporal punishment. Okay? Um, why, you know, why, why was it such a big deal to strike, the, strike that rock twice? Well, because Christ died one time. How many times do you need to be saved? One time. He was buried how many times? One time. He, he resurrected one time, right? Um, how many times do you have to drink the water? One time. Uh, and they, and they, they, they did that in Exodus chapter 17 in type, right? That's why he tells Moses, he said, you're not going into the promised land, okay, because it pictures coming to the Lord another way, okay? It basically pictures, um, you know, not simply believing on the Lord, and, and they corrupted that picture when he struck that rock twice. They corrupted the picture. Um, and he warns the Hebrews here that they'll be punished as well, temporally, right, in a temporal way, if they go back to those sacrifices after they know the truth. What truth? The, the, the truth that Christ was the sacrifice. And they knew that. They had already been saved. Um, those, those sacrifices pointed to Christ all along. Um, and now that he's come, you can't keep doing them. You can't go back to those sacrifices. You can't strike him twice, okay? Um, and, and, and that's what it pictures. It pictures striking him twice. That's what the Catholic Church does, you know? When they, when they eat that little wafer and they drink that, that, that wine or whatever, the, the juice, um, and they really believe that they're crucifying, they're basically crucifying him over and over and over again. That's what they're doing. And it's, it's, it's blasphemy. Um, so the first rock is a, is a type of Christ um, being smitten on the, once on the cross. He get, gives us eternal life eternal life. That's what the waters represent. The second rock is the risen Christ, okay, in Numbers chapter 20. Um, Hebrews, if you're still there in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 12. It says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, okay, that's the first rock. That was the first rock. The first time they came. It says, forever sat down on the right hand of God. That's the second rock, okay? Now, now that Christ has come and made that sacrifice, okay, he's been smitten, and we believe, what is there left for us to do, okay? Um, not, not, not crucify him afresh, okay? Not, not get saved again, over and over again. Um, Hebrews, back up to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, look at verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a, a great high priest that has passed into heaven, heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Again, that's the first rock. Um, Christ crucified. One sacrifice, all the work is done. What's, what's left for us to do? Okay, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and, and help in the time of need. Speak to him. Remember, that's what he, he told him. He just said, speak to the rock. That's all that's left for us to do. Jesus Christ is crucified. If we, if we, if we believe in him, we put our faith in him, all that's left to do is, is speak to him. Okay? Um, go back to Numbers chapter 20. In verse 8, it says, uh, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, Thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, they shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so that uh, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Okay, that's what the second rock represents. Okay, it, it's Christ 
it's a Christ that's already died for your sins. He's already been smitten or, or struck down for your sins. If you trusted him, now all you have to do is speak to him. Okay? Um, come boldly before the throne. Okay? Um, you speak to the rock and the water flows out. That's, that's the mercy and grace from, from the risen Christ. Um, so the second rock in Numbers chapter 20 um, is Christ, the rock that we speak to. Um, you still don't believe that? Let me show you one. Go to, go to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. David knew it. Psalm 18. Psalm 18 and verse 1. It says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. Okay? He's, he's referring back to that rock. That's, that's what it's about. And my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. What does he do to the rock? What did David do with the rock? I will call upon the Lord. He spoke to the rock. Right? Um, the Lord is my rock. I will call upon the Lord. You speak to him. When David wrote this, he had already, he already believed. He was already a believer. Okay? Um, he was, he, this is when he was, you know, the Lord delivered him from Saul. He was already saved. He was asking the Lord to save him from a temporal, uh, you know, a temporal situation he was in with Saul to save his life from Saul. So this, this reference is back to the second rock in, in Numbers chapter 20. David said, the Lord is my rock. I will call upon the Lord. Okay, speak to the rock. That's what, it, that's what it's referring back to. So this is a really cool picture of Jesus in the book of Numbers. And it shows us what salvation is and what it's not. Okay. It shows, it shows that, that Jesus did all the work. He was, he was struck once. Um, and and that's, that's it. That, that's, the, that's all the work we have to do. Um, I was going to look at the brazen serpent. I'm not, I'm not going to do a lot about the brazen serpent in Numbers chapter 21 because I did a whole, I did a whole thing on, on the brazen serpent. But um, I might pick it up just a little bit next time and kind of talk about it. But uh, we're out of time today. So any questions or comments? Thank you, thank you. Some really cool pictures in here of Jesus. All about Jesus. It's, the whole book is about Jesus. That's the whole point of this study. It's all about Jesus. Okay. Lord, we thank you so much for your, for your word as we come here to study today, Lord, and, and, and gather together. We thank you so much for the beautiful weather. And, and um, thank you, Lord, that uh, you, you made salvation so simple, Lord. We see this throughout, uh, throughout not, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well, these pictures of, of Christ and and uh, just, just how simple salvation is, and we thank you for that, Lord. If there's anybody listening to this today that, that, that doesn't know you, Lord, realize you're a sinner, that, uh, that, that, that Christ, Jesus, uh, God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. Um, he is that rock, and we, we, he, was, he was smitten, he was struck once for our salvation. And, and if you'll just simply put your faith in, in him and his finished work, that he did it all, just like the high priest did in, in on the Day of Atonement, um, he, he's the scapegoat that took your sins. and he, he paid the price fully. And all you have to do is, is, is put your faith in his finished work, his, his precious blood, and believe. Pray that you'll do that today. Uh, we thank you once again, Lord. Pray that you'll be with us today. And, and uh, as, we, as we open up your word again and be with all the teachers, and, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.